rhythms, but sometimes rhythms can also just become almost, um, what's the word I'm looking for? If we're not careful, our heart isn't engaged. Our mind isn't engaged. And for some of us, many of us, whether you're in high school, whether you're in middle school or college, whether you're married or single, divorced or whatnot, it's easy for faith to simply become, in our context, about getting up on Sunday is going to church, singing a few songs, hearing a sermon, and going home. And that's the extent of faith for us. And I have great news for you, and it is genuinely great news, is that God has called us to so much more than that. Is gathering on Sunday mornings important? Yes, it is. Because we come together and we celebrate and we sing and we are reminded of this Jesus who died for us and rose again on the third day. And so we come and we celebrate, right? We worship together. And I want to invite you and I want to charge you even. Make coming and being a part of that Sunday gathering a priority in your life. We want this to be rhythms in our life where we gather together every single week. That's normative expectation for God's people. But when we gather, we can do things a little bit differently. It doesn't have to be the same every single time. And so today is a little bit different. Let me drag this forward just a little bit. We are in a series called Set Apart. And you already heard it, that set apart is, the, is what holiness means. Like the real definition of to be holy is to be set apart. But, but we've redefined it a little bit and taken that word holy, and we've gotten it outside of the little church box that it lives in. And so holiness, when you look at the scriptures, we see that it's God's people experiencing God's presence as they live out God's purpose. Now, that was real pastory, right? I got three Ps in there for you, right? God's people, right? God's, God's presence, God's purpose. In other words, God's people should be distinct. As, as people who've put faith in Jesus, if you've put your faith in Christ, there is a distinction in that you're a part of his family, you're a part of God's people, and the way that you live is therefore different. It is set apart. And sometimes that can be perceived as odd or strange or different. Because to be God's people, it is to be set apart. You are to live and look differently because Christ Jesus has changed you. Does that make sense? But you're not just God's people. We are God's people experiencing God's presence. In other words, it's not just like behavior. No, 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 no. Your heart is engaged in a genuine, real relationship with God Almighty. That God knows you. The scriptures say that he knows how many hairs, or lack thereof, are on your head. Like he knows you, and you can know him. And last week we talked about the cherishing of God's presence, to cherish real relationship with him. That we're called to that. That's part of your holy calling. It's to be his people experiencing his presence, regardless of your job, 
regardless of your marriage or, or single status, and even regardless of, of whether you go to school, whether you're 13, whether you're 33, or whether you're 93. There is a longing that we should have in our hearts as God's people, like David, like Moses, like Mary, who sat at the feet of Jesus and longed for more. That's part of our holy calling. It's God's people experiencing God's presence, but that's not all. That's not all. Right? That sounded a little salesy, didn't it? Sunday, Sunday, Sunday. You remember those commercials? Yeah, yeah. It's also God's purpose. Now, I'm a baseball fan, right? And some of you are baseball fans, but you may not know that the Atlanta Braves were not always the Atlanta Braves. Prior to them being Atlanta, they were in two other cities. They were in Milwaukee and they were in Boston. It was the Milwaukee Braves. And who played for the Milwaukee Braves but Hank Aaron, one of the greatest home run hitters of all time. And on one particular game, the Milwaukee Braves are playing the New York Yankees and Yogi Berra, who is one of the all-time greatest catchers of, of baseball history, right? They're, they're up against each other. And this is well-documented. You can read this in books. Yogi Berra loved to talk a little trash. He loved it. He smacked, right? He just, he had something to say. He was the, you know, we want a pitcher, not a belly. You know, there was always something being said to just try to get under the skin, try to distract the players. And Hank Aaron is going up to bat and Yogi says, hey, Hank, you got the bat upside down. Well, of course, Hank Aaron doesn't have the bat upside down. And he says, you know, you, you got to flip it around, you know, so the handle's at the top so that we can all read the trademark. The little, you know, the, 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 the words of the company that had made the bat. Hank Aaron is ignoring Yogi Berra, steps up to the plate as Yogi's just doing all of his chitter-chatter, and he strokes a home run into the left field bleachers and is just trotting around the bases. And he gets around third, and Yogi's close by, and he looks at Yogi as he's running around the bases, and he says, I didn't come here to read. Right? As he just keeps on running. I mean, just bam. Right? In other words, Yogi Berra, I mean, uh, Hank, he knew what he came there to do. He came there to do one thing. And what was that one thing? Score runs. And his sweet spot was, in fact, hitting home runs. He knew what he was good at. He knew what he was called to do, and he got up to the plate, and he did it. He fulfilled his baseball major league purposes. He knew what was up. It's a great, great story that you can read about if you're into sports. But many of us, church-wise, we look at those, we, we look at that story and we long to really know purpose like that, to be that chiseled in terms of what I'm called to do and how I'm going to actually do it. And so many of us, it's a little bit more like Alice in Wonderland. If you're familiar with the weird story of Alice in Wonderland, and it is kind of weird. She's in a conversation with a Cheshire cat, and she says, would you tell me, please, which way I ought to go from here? And the cat says, well, that depends a good deal on where you want to get to. And she says, I don't really care where. And he said, well, then it doesn't really matter which way you go. 
And for many of us, when it comes to purpose and this aspect of holiness that God has called us to, we don't know where we're going. And sometimes we don't really care where we're going, and consequently, just anything will do. All I know is I should show up, maybe sit in a seat for a few minutes, clap my hands to a few songs, maybe give. If there's a small group, I probably should be a part of it, but it's a little hard oftentimes schedule-wise for me to do it. So oftentimes, my faith really is reduced to showing up on Sunday singing a few songs, hearing a message, and going home. And this is the fullness of my faith. Now, I've already said, don't disqualify those things. We need that. I need that. But isn't there so much more to the purposes of God in our lives than just that? I would submit to you today that part of God's holy calling for you is for us to experience that. And in just a moment, we are going to. And yes, I'm not revealing yet what we're doing. Some of you might be like, this is uncomfortable for me. That's okay. (laughs) That's okay. Sometimes, we don't do this every week. This is not a normative Sunday for us. But it's good for us to get experiential a little bit with our faith and put it into practice. Not just hear about it, but do it. 1 Peter 2.9, you heard in our recap video. What is God's purpose for the church? The scriptures say as Peter is writing to the, 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 the scattered church at the time, experiencing persecution, he says, you're a chosen people. You've been called. You are chosen. You are a royal priesthood. In other words, the church, the believers, you are ministers of the gospel. You are like priests. In God's house and in his kingdom. You're a holy nation. You're set apart. God's special possession. That you may. Here we go. That you may declare the praises of him who called you out of darkness into his wonderful light. What are you called to do? You are, to call, you are called to declare the praises of him to the world. That is part of our great purpose. That you would declare the praises of Jesus. That's just a fancy way of saying that we talk about his goodness and his faithfulness. That we'd be engaged in, in bringing his goodness to the world. Right. That's what we're called to do. Not just be good people, but to declare it. This word is actually most closely used with the word advertising. Now, hear me. Because we've all seen church advertising in ways where you're like, I do not want anything to do with that. <laughs> And I'm not talking about you getting your, you know, getting on the street corner and, you know, you're going to hell and you're going, no, none of that. That's nonsense. In fact, that's the antithesis of what it actually looks like to represent Christ to a lost and broken world. But what does it look like to declare the praises of him who has changed you? Have you really been changed? Hear me, have you really been changed? Has it actually, has this message of Christ Jesus, has it actually done anything inside of you? 
Has it reoriented anything inside of you? Has it set you free? Because that is what it does. That is what Jesus does. And when he does it, there's something inside of us that should be called to advertise it, so to speak, about how amazing this Jesus is. Or to participate in some way in seeing his kingdom further come. Now, we're going to get to the practicals here in just a second. Here's what I want you to do. Turn to 1 Kings chapter 18. This is a short story of one of the great prophets in the Old Testament. His name was Elijah. Right? And we, we read about Elijah in the New Testament. We read about him in the Old Testament. This guy is the guy. Okay? There's a lot going on with my man Elijah. And he's not afraid to really engage Right and battle and pray and participate in God's kingdom, right? Hear me here, right? In 1 Kings chapter 18, here's what we've got. We've got, there are a bunch of seats. You're, you're absolutely fine. You can interrupt or cross over if you need to. <clears throat> 1 Kings 18, verse 41 Elijah is, is confronting an evil king. And that evil king's name is Ahab. Ahab is considered one of the most notorious kings in all of the Bible. And what you might find, uh, if you're into history like me, I, I love all this. Ahab is mentioned more. He and his father are mentioned outside the Bible in more uh, documented aspects of history from other nations recording battles and things like that than any other king in the Old Testament. In other words, you can read the writings of the king of Assyria and the king of Babylon and the kings of Egypt, and there, in their recordings of history, are talking about Ahab and Omri, his father, which ought to give us confidence as we read the Bible that these are not just made-up stories. This stuff really happened. And Elijah the prophet is battling with this king Ahab. The man of God versus the wicked king. You got to love it. And Elijah says to Ahab, go eat and drink. For there is the sound of a heavy rain. There had been a drought. There had been a famine. Right? There had been no rain for three years Elijah had prayed for the, for the rain to stop as punishment and consequence to Ahab. And here he says, hey, it's time. Go eat and drink. I'm going to pray and it's going to start to rain again. For there's the sound of a heavy rain. So Ahab went to eat and drink, but Elijah climbed to the top of Carmel. He bent down to the ground and put his face between his knees. Go and look toward the sea, he told his servant. And he went up and looked. There's nothing there. Seven times Elijah, uh, excuse me, said go back. And the seventh time the servant re reported, a cloud as small as a man's hand is rising from the sea. So Elijah said, go and tell Ahab, hitch up your chariot and go down before the rain stops you. In other words, you better get going, son, because this rain is on its way. And it's not just a little bit of rain. I prayed and it's about to come down. Go get, go get your chariot because you're going to get stuck if you don't. 
Meanwhile, the sky grew, grew black with clouds. The, the wind rose. A heavy rain started falling, and Ahab rode off to Jezreel. Now, I want you to hear this. James chapter 5. The brother of Jesus is talking about this moment, and he's talking to the church, and he's trying to help them raise their level of faith and engagement in God's kingdom. In other words, get off the sidelines here. Participate. Be full of faith. Get in this thing. Don't be shy. Use what God's given you. And in James, he writes, the prayer of a righteous person is powerful and effective. Elijah was a human being just as we are, even as we are. In other words, Elijah might have the, the title of prophet, but he is a human person just like you and me. He prayed earnestly that it would not rain and it did not rain on the land for three and a half years. And again, he prayed and the heavens gave rain and the earth produced its crops. What is the church called to do? It's called to encounter, experience and live out God's purposes. But what are we supposed to do? Is there something more than just simply getting together, singing songs, hearing a sermon, and going back? I would submit to you for the hundredth time today that the answer is yes, we are called to participate in this kingdom. Just like Elijah, we are called to be people that pray. If you want to know whether a church is being the church. If you want to know whether a church is affecting change beyond what you can just see, one of the things that you look at is if it's a praying church. A praying church is a powerful church. And it is one of the central things that we are called to do, to lean on this God who has changed us. It is not preparation for good work. It is the good work that God has called us to. We are called to be a praying people, trusting God for his mighty power to change, to affect change and to transform our community. Let me say that again. We're called to be men and women who pray, to be agents of change on the earth through prayer. I didn't say that as the way I've got it over there. Let me say that one more time. We are called to change the earth through prayer. No person, no organization, no gym, no family even. Right? I want you to hear this. There's, there's no, no business some of you guys got business things happening, and I love it. And I want you to hear this. No business, no organization, no gathering of people can affect change the way the church does by seeking God together and asking him to do what only he can do. Yeah. Nothing else is like it. Whether it feels that way or not, it doesn't matter. That is simply the truth. And so here's what we see. And what we're about to do, in Timothy, Paul is writing again to the early church. And his, Timothy's this young guy, probably about 18 years old. 
And he's writing to him and he says, I'm urging you. And this is for the whole church to hear. First of all, that petition, prayer and intercession and thanksgiving be made for all people, for kings and those in authority, that we may live peaceful and quiet lives in all godliness and holiness. That is good and pleases God our Savior who wants all people to be saved and to come to a knowledge of the truth. Now, I know for some of you this hits. For some of you this is a stretch, right, where you're like, I don't, I, my heart doesn't beat that way right now for other people. Or maybe you're just going through it. Maybe you're new to the area. Maybe you're in the midst of crisis. And the truth is, we know this is, we know this is the case. When you're in the midst of incredible pain, it's okay to say this. That most of what you're thinking about is your, your needs getting met and fixed and made right. I get that. I 100% get it. And so the church is also, it is designed to be a body of people that meet each other's needs. And we pray for one another. And we seek God for one another. But today we're going to do something a little bit different. Behind me in just a moment, you're going to see a QR code. You can take your phone. You can scan it. And on it are going to be ways for you to pray. And we're actually going to get up from our seats. And we have three hallways in this school. And we're going to walk down the hallways and we're going to pray for our community and this school. You're going to see the names of teachers on doors. If you go down to the lobby and you see, you know, the, the names of, of faculty workers who are working in the office, we're going to pray for them. You can pray generally. You can pray uh, specifically by their name because, as I said, the names are on the door. We're going to be praying for our community, not just the school, but for our community to become changed by the gospel, that they would know Jesus. There are people, despite what you might realize, that don't know Christ and need to. They're longing to. They're crying out to. But they don't know where the answers are. Let's pray that God would do something. Elijah prayed just like you and I can pray. And the scriptures tell us that it stopped raining and it started raining. We see people praying and the sick are healed in the Bible. Some of you have been the recipient of prayer that has healed your very body. Some of you have experienced prayer and that prayer has brought you comfort. It's brought you hope. It's brought you peace. We see prayer literally bringing the deliverance of, of people from the demonic in the Bible. We see prayer coming and, and, and resources getting multiplied. We see prayer happening and, and the dead are rising. Things that, that are, are dead come back to life. We see prayer affecting change. And so when we get up and we pray, don't think that you've got to know all the right words or be a professional or be a this or a that. No, 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 no. Jesus says if you would just have faith, size of a mustard seed you can move mountains we can move mountains because God is good and he's real and he hears the prayers of his people and when your heart beats for others God moves so here's what I want us to do we don't normally do this in case you're new here today, I'll say it one more time. I know people have walked in at different times. This is a, a very unique Sunday for us. 
In fact, I don't think, I don't know if we've ever done a Sunday like this before. We've had the seats out like this one other time for Christmas Eve. But we've not just gotten you up and got you moving down the hallway that I recall. And again, some of you might not be comfortable with it. That's why you scan that QR code, right? There are things for you to pray. There's literally prayers. If you're like, I don't know what to say, you can literally read what's on there and pray it out loud and mean it as you walk. And in about 20 minutes, we're going to meet back in here. We're going to take communion together. We're going to pray it out, so to speak. And that will be our service for today. It will be God's people experiencing his presence as we live out his purposes. We're called to affect change. So let's pray for change. Change for students. Change for families. Change for our community. Change for teachers. Amen? Stand to your feet.